Heavenly Father, we pray that you would indeed speak to us, that you would indeed open our minds, that we might understand your word. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. For many people, Easter is long gone. Uh, Some might have maybe enjoyed a couple of days holidays on Easter Monday and Easter Tuesday, but by now they're back to porridge again. I can see by Colin's face that he's very sad about that. Uh, The schools will be back tomorrow, uh, or if not tomorrow, then very soon. The hard-boiled eggs have been painted and rolled and forgotten about. The chocolate eggs have been scoffed. Easter is done and dusted, and the bonnet hung up until next year. And soon, if it hasn't already happened, uh, the shops will be on to the next big selling point, whether it's summer or back to school. Oh, you never know, you might see the Halloween stuff next week, possibly. But for the church's calendar, Easter is far from over. Tonight we'll use the collect, the special prayer of the second Sunday of Easter. And we'll continue to use the collects for the Sundays of Easter up until the seventh Sunday of Easter, the Sunday after the Ascension and before Pentecost. You see, for the church, Easter isn't one day. It's a season. So if we talk about the, the 12 days of Christmas, we have 50 days of Easter. And actually, as the Book of Common Prayer reminds us, all Sundays celebrate the Paschal mystery of the death and resurrection of Christ. Or in other words... Every Sunday is an Easter day. Now, why is this so? Why do we celebrate Easter for 50 days and on each of the 52 Sundays of the year? Well, it's because Easter is so important. It is at the very centre of the Christian faith, as Paul writes to the church in Corinth. If Christ is not raised, then your faith is futile. And we are of all people most to be pitied. For that reason, we take time to reflect on all that Easter means for us each year. We do that as we preach through the events of that first Easter day from the Gospels. But we also do it as we see what the rest of the New Testament tells us about the implications of the resurrection. And that's what we see in our reading tonight from 1 Peter. And if you have closed your Bible, perhaps you would open it again to page 1217. I don't know about your house, certainly in our house, Easter Monday is not at the day to go to B&Q or a hardware store or Ikea or something like that. I am absolutely useless when it comes to anything practical like that. But I know that many people see Easter Monday or a bank holiday as a time to go to those DIY stores to do a wee bit of fixing up or go to Ikea 
and whenever they get home again, they lay out at the, fat, the, the flat pack furniture that they're about to build. And in this reading tonight, Peter is laying out what the resurrection means for us. So let's look at it together. We see that Easter begins with praise in verse 3. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. See, everything that, uh, that we'll see tonight, everything that comes uh, from this, comes through the wisdom and plan of God our Father. It was his idea, and so he deserves to be praised. And why is that? Verse 3. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Mercy is when God doesn't give us what we do deserve. And so God's great mercy has given us something that we never ever would have deserved. He has given us new birth into a living hope. It's only by God's mercy that we have been given this fresh start, this clean slate, and we now have a living hope. The hope that we have is living, it is alive, and our hope is living because Jesus is alive. Do you see where our hope comes from in that sentence? He says, through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Because Jesus has been raised from the dead, he's been raised to new life, but we now have a living hope. If Jesus had not been raised, then our hope would be just as dead. But he has, and so we have a living hope. But we have even more than that. You see, verse 4 begins with another into uh, and into. So we have been given birth into a living hope and also into an inheritance. We've been born into an inheritance. Isn't that how it normally works? So think of um, Prince Charles and then Prince William and then Prince George is the heir, isn't he? Um, they've all been born into that. Someday they will inherit all that. One day, all of this will be yours. But normally, any inheritance, whether it's houses or land or possessions or money or whatever it is, they're fading and falling and failing. So the house that you might inherit might need some repairs or the possessions might be in danger of mold or rot or moths or whatever it might be. But the inheritance that we have been born into isn't like that. Do you see how Peter describes it? Into, at verse 4, into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. The ESV, another translation, puts it like this. Imperishable, undefiled, and unfading. This isn't something that that will one day wear away or will fade away. It's always the same and it is kept for us in heaven. 
But more than that, not only is our inheritance kept for us, but we are kept for it. Pick up at the end of verse 4 there. Kept in heaven for you, who through faith are sealed by God's power, until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. Our inheritance is kept for us in heaven, and we are kept for it. God's power is shielding us, keeping us for the coming of salvation. Peter has his gaze on the glory of the last day when Jesus returns and his salvation is fully and finally revealed, and when all of his people are raised with him and live with him. Jesus has made it all possible through the resurrection. He is the guarantee that it will happen. And he will give us our inheritance at that time. So we do indeed have a living hope. But you don't have to live very long as a Christian before you realise that it's not always easy to live as a Christian. Yes, we know where we're going and yes, we know how it will one day come about when Jesus returns. But no, it's not easy moving from this day to that day with every day in between. Peter is well aware of this and it's to this that he now turns. As you see in verse 6, he says, In this you greatly rejoice. Yes, we rejoice in the hope that we have in the salvation that we have, in in the way in which God is keeping us, in this you greatly rejoice. Though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These Christians are facing all kinds of trials. They're suffering grief in them and through them. And as you notice, uh, back up in in verse 1, do you see how they're described? They're described in this way, uh, to God's elect, strangers in the world. Uh, But they have been chosen, verse 2, according to the foreknowledge of God the Father. Uh, they're, uh, they're, They're chosen, but they're exiles. They're strangers in the world. And they're suffering grief in these trials. So why is this so? Surely if, if Jesus is in glory, then why are we going through grief? Or to um, look back a verse at verse 5, if we're being shielded by God's power, then how come we're facing these trials? Well, Peter tells us why. He says, these have come, verse 7, so that your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may be proved genuine and may result in praise, glory and honour when Jesus Christ is revealed. I don't have any gold apart from at my wedding ring. But gold is one of the most precious 
and costly items that there is in the world. It is refined and purified by fire, and yet eventually even gold will perish. It will wear away. Uh, Lindsay was recently given her uh, granny's wedding ring, and um, we reckon it must be about maybe 80 years old or something like that. Uh, but it was such a fine band and, and it was in danger of breaking. Uh, and, and, and so, you know, could have come off and she might have lost it. So we had to take it uh, to the jeweller to get another uh, bit set in it to, to make sure that it would be, uh, be secure. Uh, you see, something precious and yet even that preciousness could be worn away by so many years of, of wear. Gold is precious, but Peter says our faith is even more precious. And to prove just how precious our faith is, it might be tested. It might be proved in all these kinds of trials. You see, a faith unproved may well be genuine. But it's only in the fiery trial that we see the genuineness of our faith. It's only when we've been through those difficult times that, yes, our, our faith really is sure and genuine. It's easy to say that we trust Jesus when all is going well, but will we still trust him when things aren't going so well? Will we still hold to his promises when it doesn't look like they're going to come about? We need to keep our eyes on what is coming. The revealing of Jesus and the praise, glory and honour on that day. We long for that day when we will see him. But Peter describes a most remarkable thing. The everyday experience of the ordinary Christian. You see, Peter, Peter he had seen Jesus. He had walked with Jesus and and had lived with Jesus. But as the gospel spreads to all those places in verse 1, at Pontus and Galatia and Cappadocia and Asia and Bithynia and even Rich Hill, the Christians there and here haven't seen Jesus. They hear about him and they respond in faith and love. And that's our experience too. He says, verse 8, Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you're receiving the goal of your faith, the salvation of your souls. We love Jesus. We believe in Jesus, even though we haven't seen him. One day we will see him face to face. But even now, as we wait, even as we undergo these trials, we experience that inexpressible and glorious joy. A joy that we can't explain. A joy that we sometimes might even find it hard to put into words. But which is glorious. 
And why do we have it? Because we are receiving the goal of our faith, the salvation of our souls. It's no wonder that Peter began that paragraph with praise. Here we have it all laid out in front of us, what God in his mercy has given us through the resurrection of Jesus. A living hope, an imperishable inheritance, an inexpressible joy. If you are a Christian tonight, then these are all yours. They're part of the package. But maybe tonight you realise that you don't yet have these things. You're missing out. But the good news is that these are for you as well. You too can share in all of this as you believe in Jesus, as you trust him. You don't need to be on the outside anymore. You don't need to be looking in. This can be yours as well. You see, there is a great blessing and a great privilege for those who are Christians. I wonder, have you realised that? Just how much of a, a privilege it is. You see, as, as Peter outlines all these blessings that we have, he reminds us that there are some who desperately wanted to understand what we understand and desperately wanted to experience what we experience. The first group is there in verse 10. The prophets. The guys in the Old Testament who pointed to our salvation. You see, they spoke of the grace that we have received, but they couldn't understand it themselves. The Spirit of Christ was leading them to predict the sufferings of Christ and the glory that would follow, verse 12, but they couldn't quite put it all together. They were serving us rather than themselves. And if you were with us this morning, that's what we saw in Luke chapter 24, how Jesus fulfilled at the scriptures everything that was written about him in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms. We are more privileged than the prophets because we have the full picture before us. Isaiah, as he um, wrote down chapter 25 uh, about how God would, you know, uh, destroy death, he had this one jigsaw puzzle piece. And he had another piece in Isaiah 53, which we read this morning, at the sufferings of Christ, but he couldn't see how it all fitted together. But we have the full picture. We can see uh, salvation in all of its glory. We are more privileged than the prophets. But we are also more privileged than the angels. Look at the little, it's almost a throwaway line at the end of verse 12, isn't it? Even angels long to look into these things. Angels are Amazingly wonderful spirit beings created for the praise 
and glory of God. If we go on, uh, you know, scriptural uh, accounts, if we were to see one tonight, we would either bow down in worship or bow down in fear, uh, or maybe even both. Yet the angels wish that they could understand and experience what we experience as Christians. You see, the fallen angels, those who sided with Satan in his rebellion, for them there is no redemption, just a fearful expectation of judgment. And the angels who remain with God, they don't need redemption. But they look at us, fleshly creatures, and they wish they could understand what God sees in us. They wonder at the Lord of glory, taking on our flesh and suffering and dying on our behalf so that we might be redeemed. The angels praise, but they can never know the joy of sins forgiven, the joy of resurrection hope, the joy of eternal life. When we are on the road to destruction. It's no wonder that we are called to praise. As we reflect on all that Christ has achieved for us. Through his death and his resurrection. A living hope. An imperishable inheritance. And an inexpressible joy. And it's ours. Because Jesus lives. Let's pray. Uh, Heavenly Father, we are amazed uh, at this uh, litany of blessings that you have given us through the death and resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. Father, we thank you that Easter isn't just one day. We thank you that it echoes and resounds from that first Easter day through to eternity. Father, thank you that we are Easter people, that we are resurrection people. We pray, Father, that we would indeed know that, that we would experience that, that even in the difficulties, that we would know your power. So, Father, we pray that you would bless us as we continue to look to you. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.